Amen and amen. Go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Psalm 46. Right there in the middle of your Bible, we will be in Psalm 46 uh, today as we continue this series called Christ in the Chaos. And uh, it's a very short-lived series. We're wrapping it up today. Uh, and uh, I wanted just us to, I just really prayed about it, didn't really know where the Lord, you know, traditionally... Yeah, I think it, it's really kind of a modern thing. I, I just like to preach the Bible, uh, so that's kind of my deal, and that's our deal as a church. Uh, but we do try to like package it in these series kind of things. So uh, I was thinking, what are we going to do for like five, you know five or six weeks of Christmas? And instead of getting like one like cute little same graphic all year, we're working Jessica hard. We've got three or four different sermons and messages that all will kind of have a thread that runs through them. And you know what that thread is? Jesus is here, right? Amen. Like. We're thankful for that, and we need that reminder. Emmanuel, God with us. And because that's a reality, everything changes in our lives. Because Christ is with us, everything is different. What we've been kind of talking about the last couple of weeks is this idea that even in the midst of a chaotic and crazy world, Christ is here, and that changes the way that we live in the midst of the chaos. A couple of weeks ago, I sent an email out that got me in a little bit of trouble with Mallory. Um, and I thought, you know, it really wasn't adequate trouble. So I decided I would share this picture with you today. Uh, so let's go ahead. Do we have that there? Can we uh, make that happen? Okay, so this is my Christmas tree. And, and in the email, some of you heard this already, but some of you didn't. Let me explain why I sent this picture. Uh, so one of my favorite things about the holiday season, is, and some of you are like, we don't do Christmas trees. Well, uh, that's okay, but we do. That's all right. So one of my favorite things is that we, you know, just have that decorated. And in the mornings, in, when I kind of spend my time with the Lord, I get to do it with just this beautiful reminder of the light of Christ at Christmas time. So we have this thing going, and we had it up for just a few days, and I was sitting there spending time with the Lord. And, and I looked up, and all I could see, now you need to know this halo was wasn't there naturally I added that in post all right I edited that I saw this bright yellow detergent bottle sitting on the ledge and I just got to tell you that Mallory informed me that in the time that I spent writing that email to you that morning I could have taken it to the utility room five times so it's fine it's fine she uh she already so some of you ladies can go and high five her afterwards and say you got him uh, but the reason I sent that out to you that morning, the reason I bring it up today is because here's the, the thing. I was spending time with the Lord, and it was really a precious time with the Lord. And man, there's a massive, beautiful, lit-up tree in front of me, yet my eyes kept being drawn to this distraction in the periphery, right? Like this thing over here that I kept seeing, and I was like, man, it's so easy for you and me during the Christmas season. We can go ahead and take that off before my wife leaves. All right, so it's fine. Uh, but, but we can so easily, in the midst of Christmas, get our eyes off of what's important to the point that we lose what this whole thing is all about. Like the light of Christ is shining in our hearts and in our lives, yet the detergent bottles of your life are everywhere, aren't they? And whether that be a sin that you're struggling with, whether that be a crisis or some chaos in your life, maybe for you it's a big deal. It's a huge health issue that is really changing the way you live. Maybe for you it's just the busyness of this season. And if we're not careful, friends, we will miss the light of Christ that shines bright this Christmas season. So the call for us is to work to intentionally be reminded that in the middle of our mess, in the middle of the detergent bottles of your life, Jesus still comes. He is still here. 
the question becomes, how do we actually focus on him? In a world of noise, in a world of distraction, in a world of chaos, I want us to look at a text that I don't think we often come to during the holiday season, but I think this passage could not only change the way you see Christmas, but perhaps it would change your life today, and, and I really believe that. I don't say that lightly. So let's read the Word of God together. We're going to read all of Psalm 46. and Here's what the text says. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And God, I pray that in a psalm that at least pieces of it are familiar to us, that as we look at it as a whole, that you would use your word to instruct us, lead us, and guide us into the truth that you have for us today. Let us hear from you, God. We love you, and we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you're honest today, you might would think and, and say, even articulate out loud, that this is an odd text to come to in the midst of the Christmas season. Uh, but I want to tell you why the Lord uh, led me here today. This is our fifth Christmas to be here in Wichita. And since the Lord brought us here, our lives have changed quite a bit. Our Christmas experience has changed quite a bit. Now, to be sure, the Lord brought us here, and we have family that is here, and we're so thankful for them. They've just let us come be part of their Christmas traditions in many ways. Many of you have done the same thing, and we've started a lot of new traditions. Christmas is still a very, very special time for my family and I, and one of the reasons it's special is because of you, Crossroads. So, so we love Christmas. We still enjoy that, but the reality is we moved 10 plus hours away from both of our immediate families. So, so for many of you, Christmas is like a month-long marathon of uh, parties and family gatherings and different things that you have to do. And for us, it's just been a little bit different. And I got to tell you, it's kind of awesome. Now listen, I'm not saying that you all need to move 10 hours away from your family. Like this sermon is not called Run, Run, Rudolph, all right? Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> Point number one, get away. So if my mom's watching, I love you, mom. Huh, sorry. Uh, but no, that, that's not what this is about. 
but, but a few weeks ago, we were in our prayer meeting time, and, and the, the prayer group said, hey, how can we pray for you uh, this holiday season, Rusty? And I was like, well, we're really in a time where things are starting to slow down for us. And they all laughed, assuming that I was just joking and being facetious. But I was like, no, like for, for us, this is a time where we get to kind of slow down a little bit. And it, really, instead of the Christmas marathon that our life was six years ago at Christmas, it, it's kind of several quiet days at home. Now, quiet may be a stretch. I have four kids, nine and under. But nonetheless, uh, as a slower pace. So for many of you, that, that's obviously not what's happening, and I recognize that. You've got uh, work parties, church parties, shopping, family gatherings, and, and like I said earlier, we have really turned Christmas into like a month-long run as fast as you can, and we always are very excited about Christmas, but if you start asking a lot of people, roughly sometime the middle of this week is when you're ready for it to be over. Some of you are like, I was ready two weeks ago. That's fine, all right? So it's just a busy, chaotic, crazy season. But what I want us to talk about and think about is the importance of taking time to intentionally notice Christ, the Christ of Christmas, even in the midst of the chaos and the crazy. So that's why we find ourselves here in Psalm 46. And I would argue that this text is actually right in line with where we ended last week. This idea of even in the midst of our chaos, God's plan was being fulfilled, and it was fulfilled through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He came to be Emmanuel, God with us. And here in Psalm 46, the first thing I want us to see is a very clear picture of God with us. God with us. Three times, I have a slide that says God with us uh, there. Uh, I just can't, I can't go on before it's on there. It's like I'm OCD enough that I need that. So three times we have in verses 1, 7, and 11, we see God described as our refuge and strength. And then in verses 7 and 11, he's our fortress. And the language of this psalm is abundantly clear. He doesn't abandon us. God is strong, God is mighty, and He is able. Friends, He is with us. I want to ask you what I asked you last week. When I said God has a plan, I was like, does that encourage you? And some of you would say yes, but some of you, if you're honest, you're like, uh, no, not really, because I don't see it yet. I don't feel it. Does it encourage you to stop and recognize that God truly is with us? And I want to just tell you that, that when you look at the text, I'm reminded that the sons of Korah, the psalmist here who wrote this psalm, they didn't even understand the reality of God with us the way that you and I can today because they were on the, the backside of the cross. Like, we now know that God is with us through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And then when we surrender our lives to him, we are given the Holy Spirit. So do you want to know how to interact with Emmanuel in your life? Be saved. Know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you are given his Holy Spirit, God with us. Literally, every single moment of every single day, Emmanuel dwells within you. Isn't that incredible? And if you, it's not incredible to you, you need to think about it some more because it is incredible that God is with us. I want to just remind you today, brothers and sisters, that we serve a mighty God. 
He is big enough, strong enough, able enough, God enough to take care of you and me. And the incredible reality that we're celebrating here during the Christmas season is that this transcendent, beyond us, incredible, amazing God is actually near us. Verses 7 and 11 say it this way, the Lord of hosts, the, the God of angel armies, some translations say, is with us. Verse 1 says that God is very Present. That's like a double positive, right? You've heard of the double negative. This is a double positive. Like he's very here. God's not just here. He's very here. He's our constant, our security, our safety. No matter what chaos we find ourselves in, God is here. Friends, you've got God on your side. Romans 8 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Do you believe that today? But I'm so thankful for Psalm 46, and here's why. It describes this mighty God who is with us, the, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob's our fortress. He's very present in times of trouble, yet I love that this God who is protecting, leading, and guiding his people in the midst of this conversation, the psalmist is also brutally honest about the state of the world. So God is with us doesn't mean that everything's just fine and everything's great and you all get a Christmas cookie on the way out the door this morning. No, the reality of God with us is that we need him because we live in a very fallen, messed up world and we need to acknowledge that today. This psalm doesn't take long to do that. In verse 2, it says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. That phrase, gives way, literally translated is changes. Though the earth changes. And I love that thought because it just struck me this week as I was studying this. Everything gives way in this world, doesn't it? Man, everything changes and we long for security, safety, the same. Like some of you today are like, those aren't the same Christmas carols I sang growing up. Save your email to Pastor Rick. Everything changes. Right, And some of you, Christmas maybe today just doesn't feel like it felt when you were a kid or it doesn't feel like it felt three years ago or maybe it doesn't feel like it was when you had kids at home still. Listen, the reality of the Bible and the reality of this fallen world is that the whole earth gives way. Everything changes. When we look for safety, consistency, in this world, we're inevitably disappointed because it's always changing. And these changes, this world that is giving way around us all the time, brings chaos, doesn't it? Look in this text. I mean, verse 3, the waters are roaring and foaming. The mountains are trembling at the swelling. Like, the, there, there are nations that are raging. In verse 6, we've got kingdoms tottering. The earth is literally melting at some point. We've got wars. We've got bows. We've got chariots with fire. We've got all kinds of craziness happening. And before we can say, yeah, that's right. Look, the world's in chaos. Where are you, God? Like, if this is Christ in the chaos. I'm seeing a lot of chaos, but I'm not seeing a lot of Christ. But before we can say that, Verse 8 tells us that God is clearly on his throne. That indeed, it, it's the Lord 
who is working. He's the one bringing desolations on the earth. He's making wars to cease. He's breaking the bow. He's burning chariots with fire. It's the Lord who stops wars and literally can bring kingdoms to their knees. So yeah, like our world may look like a dumpster fire today, but you need to recognize that God is on his throne. Even in the midst of the chaos, God is with us. We can trust that he's working. I don't know if any of you would have a good enough memory to remember this. Perhaps you uh, are that person who takes notes in your Bible of what passage I preach on what day. But I've preached this, this message to you before. Not this message. It's actually a little bit different the, the way that I'm doing the exegesis here. But uh, that's a fun word that I just like to throw out there. Exegesis. Write that down if you're taking notes. But Psalm 46, I, I preached this message one time before, and the Lord led me to it on the last week that we gathered in person in March of 2020. What a wild time that was, right? We didn't know what was going to happen, and in a lot of ways, we entered into a months-long season of wondering what the future held. In some ways, the, the metaphorical language here of the earth melting, kingdom shaking, everything was going crazy in our world, political and social unrest, just unrest even just in our church, sickness ravaging our world. And this was the last message that I preached to you while you were in your seats here. And I got to tell you, there were like into a few weeks into that, I was wondering if we'd ever get to do it again. And then when we got to start doing it again, I was wondering if, it, if we'd ever be back to like what it is right now. But man, hasn't God been faithful? I mean, can't we just stop and say that? Like, man, and I'm not saying everything was easy. Like, we, we lost people that we loved. We struggled to get our church back going. Like, it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. But we're, and, and many of us are still feeling the pain of what happened in those years. But, but I got to tell you, the reality is God has shown himself faithful over and over and over and over again. Even in the chaos, God is in control. He's truly with us. So this is the truth. And, and, and here's what I just want to say and acknowledge before we get practical here. And the psalm is going to get practical and help us. Like many of you are like me, you know this. You know, okay, yeah, God's in control. Thank you, Pastor. I remember hearing that a billion times. Uh, God has a plan, and God's working his plan. Yep, th thank you for that. Uh, yet here's the reality. I've read this a couple times in some books and articles, and this saying just kept coming back to my heart as I studied the message this week, that what we really believe is reflected in how we live. So I think a lot of us say we believe this, right? Yep, God's in control, and yet we live like we're in control, trying our hardest to make everything better. Or we live as if there's no hope and that all hope is gone and that we're just left to ourselves and we live with depression and stress and we just think there is no hope for me and for this situation. But friends, the question I have is what would happen if you really believed in a sovereign God who's at work? How would your life change if you truly believed that God has a plan and that his plan is for our good and for his glory and that he is working his plan today even in the midst of the chaos? What would your life look like if you believed that? Oh, church, I, I want us to look like that. I want my life to look like that. 
I don't want to just say that I believe that God is working. I want to live and walk with a holy swagger knowing that God is at work. Anybody else? So how do we do it? Thank you. <laughs> Mike's got my back back there. He's like, <laughs> tried to get that slow clap going. It didn't happen, but I appreciate it. Boldness. By the way, check out his Christmas time on the way out. It is looking good, looking good. How do we actually do this? Because we want this, but how do we do it? Well, the text is going to give us two truths that I think help us see how we live in the reality of Emmanuel, how we live with God with us. Uh, two phrases, behold and be still. Behold and be still. First, let's talk about what it means to behold. Behold. Psalm 46.8 simply says this, the first line, Come, behold the works of the Lord. Behold the works of the Lord. Then it goes into those works, which again, those works of the Lord may not be what we expect them to be. We, we talked about that for just a minute. But, but I want to think together about what it means to behold the works of the Lord. This word behold comes from a Hebrew word, hazah. And this word literally means look, look. And though, though it's translated behold, I think that's a good translation. Oftentimes in the Hebrew text, this word is talking about a, a seeing that comes from the Lord, right? Like seeing with his eyes, like not just looking at something, but actually seeing it. Did you know there's a difference there, right? Now, we often talk about that with our ears, right? Have you heard people say that? Like husbands uh, sometimes are good at hearing but not listening, I've been told. I don't appreciate that, Sandy. Watch it. In the same way, sometimes we can look but not really see what God is doing. Like, we look at that original picture we had, but we don't see what God's doing. We see the detergent bottles, amen, right? Like, that's what happens to me so often. But this is a word inviting us to behold, to not just look, but to actually see what it is God is doing. This is the word used often in the prophets when it says, and then I saw God doing this, and then I saw this so it's talking about a seeing that is enabled by the lord it's an invitation to look deeper to stop and stare at what it is god is doing but let's be honest it is hard for us to take a good look at what god is doing when we are in the midst of a chaotic world it's so much easier to see the other things trying to see what god is doing sometimes to me feels like you remember those 3D images? You remember they have all the, the things you had to kind of like put it up close to you and move it away or like cross your eyes and look at it. And if you do it just right, then all of a sudden the layers appear and you see a different image there. I can tell like half of you have no idea what I'm talking about. I promise that I didn't, you know, uh, take anything this morning that's making me share this story with you. This is a real thing that exists. But in the same way, trying to see what God is showing us sometimes feels complicated. It feels like this sometimes. It takes work to behold the works of the Lord. So how do we behold the works of the Lord? In a really practical way, I want to invite you to look at two things. First, look at what he's done. Look at what he's done. And again, one of the hardest things to do in the midst of chaos is to stop and count your blessings. Well, but church, we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? 
God's done so many good things. And I want to tell you that the spiritual discipline of giving thanks can change your life. Gratitude has a way of changing your attitude, doesn't it? And I don't know about you, but I could use an attitude adjustment like every few minutes. Don't say amen, Sandy. (laughs) Behold the works of the Lord in your life. Behold the works of the Lord in our church. Behold the works of the Lord in your family. And hey, guys, even though it seems like the dumpster fire is raging, we can even behold the works of the Lord in our nation. God is still at work. God is still moving. All around us, God is at work, but it takes beholding to see it. Don't just look, but ask the Lord to give us eyes to see what he's doing so we can give thanks and recognize it. But I want to get even more practical because some of you are like, that sounds like mysticism to me. Okay, well, if that's you, welcome to point number two. If you want to behold the works of the Lord, look at his word. Look at his word. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need the constant reminder that God is at work in our world. And and one of the ways that we see that constant reminder is through reading the word of God. You think our nation's messed up? Read your Bible. Like, do you think this is the first time in human history that God's people have had to work in a secular culture? We Americans are pretty silly sometimes. I, I study Rome a little bit. Like, you think it's bad now, and you're like, well, it's getting there. Well, yeah, your grandma said the same thing. And they're right. But this isn't new. This is throughout human. Christians have been a group of people working in the margins from the very beginning. We act like this is brand new. Read the Bible and be encouraged that God is still working primary way that God works in us today friends is through the the living and active word of God and I, I don't know that you believe this enough that the way we experience God's glory on a day in and day out basis is through his word it's through his word that that he enlightens our heart to the truth like the Bible is a self-authenticating book that's a pretty incredible thing But the way God communicates to us today is with a book, the written word, inspired, inerrant, perfect, and holy. And as you read it, it self-authenticates itself. Like it says to your heart, this is real. This is true. And you see God's glory if you behold it. Uh, If you just kind of knock that verse of the day out, it doesn't happen the same way. Oh, that's my struggle, guys. Like, I know that, that God blesses the reading of his word. I know that God uses the Bible. So, so can I tell you what, what, man, I try to set up a discipline to do that, but it's so easy for me to be like, God is our refuge and strength, so very present, health and trouble, therefore the earth will not go Oh, be still and know that I know that one. Lord, thank you for your word. Amen. Move on. But gum, I was reading Psalm 46 all week, beholding, and it's got me beholding on another level. And it's not because I went to seminary. It's because I stopped and looked at it. Do you want God's word to come alive to you? Brothers and sisters, can I recommend maybe you don't need to simply 
do a reading plan that you can scroll through as fast as you can on your phone in the morning so you can feel like you checked off a spiritual obligation. I know I'm reading some of your mail. It's all right. Can I invite you maybe to open up a physical book? You can do it on your, your app or whatever. But, but slow down and behold the word of God. Some of you are like, oh, he's doing his read the Bible message. Isn't this like January type, right? Like this is the vibe you throw when everyone's making new resolutions. No, friends, this would change your Christmas. How would your Christmas be different if you were beholding the Lord walking into the Christmas season? Oh, man. I don't want to wait till January to start revival. (laughs) it's ridiculous that we do that sometimes like I'll change it's kind of like the diet some of you are waiting to start till January good luck (laughs) can we not schedule when we're going to start getting serious about our walk with Jesus I got a great great idea for you start today behold the works of the Lord spend time as a family talking about what he's done counting your blessings and then open the word and behold the word of God Oh, so good, friends. Beholding the Lord means beholding His Word. And what's incredible is that as we look at what God has done in the past, it changes our present and even molds and shapes the future. This Word, the Bible says about itself in Hebrews, is living and active. God will literally change your life today and forever every time we behold the works of the Lord. So if you haven't been reading your Bible, listen to what I say, friends. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty today. That doesn't help you out at all. Like if you start a reading plan tomorrow out of some weird religious obligation, that's dumb. Instead, I'm inviting you to behold the works of the Lord by opening his word and meeting him there. See, some of you are actually pretty disciplined in reading the Bible. But are you disciplined in beholding the works of the Lord in his word. I got to move on. I want to just keep going. I know some of you are like, keep going, pastor. The rest of you are like, don't tell them. Don't encourage that. Take some more time to reflect on what it means to behold. I need to move on and talk about what it means to be still. These two truths really work together. Oddly enough, I don't know that you can behold without being still. But these two truths are necessary in our lives. Verse 10 makes it so plain, doesn't it? Be still and know that I am God. Yet, if we're honest, stillness is so hard to come by in our culture. We've crammed so much noise and information and screens and inputs into every spare nanosecond of our existence. There's so many inputs, there's so many things, there's so many podcasts and TikToks and social media, YouTube, cable news, talk radio, music players, on and on. Every single moment of our lives, we have something that we are trying to engage in or process. We're constantly a people who are doing. And it's so easy to fall into this trap. I think one of the great idols of 2022 is productivity. Productivity. The world tells you that you are what you produce. 
So there are just rows and rows of the bookstores of books. There are tons of podcasts. There are Instagram experts who are telling all of you how to be more productive, how to cram more into your already busy lives. Oddly enough, hey, this will fix your life if you do this to fix this. Can I tell you, oh, some of you, I'm going to upset some people, but I got to say this. You know, if you want to be more productive and you want to get more minimalistic and all that and you have all the YouTube channels telling you how to do it, be leery when they try to sell you something to help you be more productive or more minimalistic. The second one's even more ironic. Become more minimalist by buying this product. That's stupid. Some of you are like, I got to go home and cancel an order right now. But can I tell you that this productivity craze has kind of slipped into the church a little bit? There's lots of books, again, podcasts, social media channels, and even sermon series offering all the productivity tips for following Jesus. We've got tips to follow Jesus for busy moms. We've got the subgenres. We've got tips to follow Jesus for busy homeschool moms. We've got tips to follow Jesus for teens. We've got tips for senior adults. We've got all these things trying to tell us how we can do it. Following Jesus can, can be done if we do this, 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 and this. But today's text stands in stark contrast to all of that. Do you know what it says? Stop. Stop. Be still and know that I am God. I think a lot of us have actually missed the heart of Psalm 46 over the years. Look at verses 4 and 5 with me. I love this. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So what is this city of God? Well, the city of God is Jerusalem. And scholars will debate, well, is this talking about like the, the literal Jerusalem or is this talking about the new Jerusalem? And why do you have to pick? It's probably both end, right? But the reality is when the Bible talks about the city of God, it's talking about the place where God and his people meet. It's talking about the temple. Do you know what the New Testament's gonna say? That you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So do you know on this side of Calvary, for those who are in Christ, you could literally read this this way there is a river that makes us the people of God glad the holy habitation of the most high God is in the midst of us we shall not be moved God will help us when the morning dawns here's why verse 10 is so important we've been bought or sold a bill of goods that, that actually makes our relationship with the Lord worse do you remember wells anybody have like the hand pump well like some of y'all even still got it it's just like a novelty now and you just play with it right some of you're like no that's still how we do water wow that's awesome homesteader you got a YouTube channel probably right so like, like you, you've seen this you've got to work it you've got to pump it to get some of the water to come out and, and here's what I think has happened the Christian life we've turned it into a well 
Like if you work hard enough and man, sometimes like it just seems like you really got to get after it, then some of the living water comes out and you're like, this is awesome. So we look for ways to do it and we want to get even better of it. This living water's awesome. What can I do to get more of it? Well, we, man, I grew up selling like, you know, uh, mechanical pumps, right? So like, here's the thing. You want to get even better? Let's get it. They're a little noisy and they're loud, but they can really make it happen. So you and I, here's what our flesh wants. Hey, Pastor Rusty, give us 10 ways that we can experience the living water and you want me to tell you so that we can all leave out of here pumping today because in some weird way our flesh thinks that's easier but brothers and sisters what this text says is that the living water is a river that's flowing in those who are in Christ Jesus and you don't work a river you experience it but you got to stop long enough to recognize that it's there. So some of you today, you've been working. You read a new Christian book that was telling you how to pump better. You heard something from one of my sermons, and instead of hearing the gospel in it, you heard legalism. So you're working harder. You're trying to make it happen. You just want to experience the Lord. And then you've got Christmas, and it just gets crazier and crazier, and you end up weary, worn out, and exhausted. And the invitation of the message today is to behold and be still and recognize that there is a river that makes glad the heart of people who know and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. He's really here. You can really experience it today. Jesus and his presence can't be worked or figured out or manipulated. Some of you need to hear that. Like you're not going to be able to do enough quiet time and do enough things, check off, pump hard enough to experience the Lord. No, the invitation is to stop just looking and ask the Lord to help you see. And it takes being still long enough to make that happen. So here's the practical challenge I've got for you as we head into a chaotic season that we call the holidays. I want to invite you to take five minutes a day to be still. Now some of you, you're like, done. It's easy for me. But some of you, you get weird when I'm quiet for 10 or 15 seconds. And I'm talking put away the phone, turn off the TV, get up before the kids get up or stay up after the kids go to bed, spend some time with just you and the Lord and pray this prayer, Lord, show me your presence in my life. Help me behold and be still in your presence. And here's what's incredible about this passage. When we do this, we're reminded of the God who is our refuge and strength. I wish, listen, here's what I'm saying. You're not going to behold and be still, and then you're going to have more money in your bank account, and your health's going to be fixed. No. But when you behold and be still, can I tell you who you see? The God who is very present. The God who is our refuge and strength. The God of angels, armies, who is literally with us us friends you can know this Jesus today 
And a people who walk with Emmanuel, God with us, are a people who stand ready to stand strong in the chaos and to change the world around them for Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the truth that it brings. God, in the midst of a world of chaos and crazy and busy and all of the things, Lord, I pray that you, by your grace, would show us today that you are at work, that you would remind us of your presence with us, Lord, that you would be the river that makes glad the heart of those who are in you. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged and strengthened today. Lord, if there's somebody in here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation that they wouldn't leave here without coming to talk to me during the invitation or out in the lobby later, that they would say, I want that river. I've been pumping my whole life. I'm worn out. I want to experience the living water today. Oh God, would you make that moment happen? For my friends here who know you, but they're weary, I pray God that you would just remind them that you're here. We thank you for what you're going to do. Church, would you stand in an attitude of prayer and worship? Just pray as we worship and sing. You come pray down here if you want to. I'll be standing here. I'd love to pray with you if you need to.